0: This is John and Robin Voiles of Celebrate Libraries. The following is the second in a two-part conversation with Library Director, Nick Weber of Woodstock Public Library in Woodstock, Illinois. I think you addressed the, um, how Woodstock, uh, how the library is serving the unique needs of this community by some of the things that you, uh, some of the partnerships, some of the outreach that you talked
1: about. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you'd like to, to add to that? Well, there's back. one thing, yeah. Okay. Um, last year, last summer, summer of 2017, actually, it would, would have been back in February of 2017, my children's librarian came to me and said, Hey, Harry Potter's turning 20, 20th anniversary of the release of the first book. I thought, yeah, we should do something. Okay, yeah. what do you want to do? Well, I'd like to do something larger than just the library, do something bigger than that that includes the city. And I, okay, what would that look like? Well, she had seen this. She down in Oak Park, Illinois, and, and for, I think, the release of the last movie or something, they had turned a small part of their downtown into, like, Diagon Alley from the books and from the movies of Harry Potter. So, all right, maybe we can do something like that with the square, because you got the opera house, you've got the courthouse, it gives you that vibe, you got the, you know, park, it's, you know, and then all of these fun little shops. So, sure, let's try that. And we, so we talked to the Chamber of Commerce and the city, got their economic development team involved with it, and <laughs> had this layout for this nice little event, maybe a thousand people on the square. You know, it'd be great. Have a few vendors. It was going to be really cool. Some of the shops were getting into it. They decorated it up and, and this and that. And then, somewhere about a month and a half before, it was going to be late July that we were having this event, uh, Wizarding World of Woodstock, it got picked up by the Herald, the Northwest Herald. And then from there, I got picked up by WGN, wow. and they made this. It wasn't long; it was you know like a thirty-second blurb on one of their morning shows about this you know Harry Potter celebration in Woodstock on July twenty-sixth or whatever it was. And all of a sudden, our Facebook, uh, which had all of the events and stuff, and people that were going to be attending, jumped from like seven hundred to like thirty-five hundred. <laughs> and we're like, oh, okay, that's good and we wound up scrambling to try to accommodate that and it was a wonderful event and i think everybody that came had a good time but there were things about it that weren't as good as they could have been because we weren't expecting five we, we figured there were over five thousand people that showed sure. up last summer so we did it again this summer and we fixed a lot of that um and it was an even better event except for the fact that we picked one of the few days in august where it rained like crazy. Um so we didn't have quite the turnout that we were looking for but it was still it's still one of those things where it brought kind of the whole community together kind of a deal because we had the business side of things we had the library we had the city you know we were all working together for this event and then we were bringing people in not just locally but you know from all over the place um, kept track of that as much as we could with like the facebook and stuff and their volunteer surveys and yeah we had people coming in from all over the place, including, you know, Wisconsin, and Illinois, or Indiana, Iowa, you know, and even a couple from further remote than that. So it was a chance to highlight the city, and then also, you know, the library's part of that. So that was one of those things where it's like, this is kind of like the perfect culmination of all yes. of those different things that we're trying to accomplish, and, and it worked. So that was a lot of fun, and we'll be doing it again, I imagine.
0: For the listeners who don't know, uh, WGN is the major uh, Chicago uh, television, so you're potentially reaching hundreds of thousands yeah. of, of people. Northwest Herald, is that, is that a subsidiary of the I know, Chicago um, I think Tribune all, or something? It's, it's
1: the, Shaw Media, and I think that's affiliated with yeah with the Tribune Corporation. So you're really so, reaching a lot of people. Yeah. So the Herald serves McHenry County where we're located and, and probably, I don't know, has... Is fifty thousand something like that? So already that's you know gotten bigger, and then yeah, to have it go on the WGN, which had this huge reach. Congratulations! That. It was it was great, but it was also a little intimidating. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm not ready for this many people, but it was fun, and and it worked, which was the amazing thing. So uh,
0: Discover, Connect, Inspire. Your motto, mm. your mission now, or
1: both? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it, it, it's the it's an easy, rememberable, It's not the word I want, but you know what I mean. Sure. Uh, something that can hopefully stick in people's heads, uh, and it, I think it summarizes uh, what libraries are all about in a very uh, tight little package. Because we want be, there's something here. You can discover something new every single day if you want to. You know, just come on in. We have all different kinds of things for all different ages and peoples. And then it's definitely a connection place because one of the things that libraries offer that sometimes I think gets a little undersold is we provide meeting space to groups and organizations and even individuals that can't do it anywhere else. You know they don't have they don't have a big enough house or whatever or uh, you know all of the other meeting spaces wherever they live maybe they charge for it and they, they can't afford that so we can go to the library we've got meeting spaces I mean we. We have groups down in our meeting rooms pretty close to every day of the week, sometimes multiple people, multiple groups down there, Uh, all across the spectrum of of types of uh, use, which is fabulous.
0: Clubs, business organizations, clubs,
1: business organizations, homeschoolers, um, homeowners associations, Boy Scouts, all different kinds of things. and so we provide that connection point, and then one of the things that it also serves as is a place where we can connect people with similar interests. So we'll, we have our world film night, and we can get people that are interested in foreign films together, or uh, you mentioned the health stuff. We do periodic things where the, the local health providers will come in and provide free or reduced costs. Like Shots or screenings and things of that nature, so it gives an opportunity for members of the community to come in and take advantage of things of that nature. So, uh, or we do food drives every year where it's like food for fines you know, come on in, contribute some non uh, perishable food items, and we'll knock 25, 50, a dollar, whatever might you know, like 25 cents a thing, we'll knock it off your fines. And then that's the the food's provided to a local food yeah. shelter. We have got a food pantry here in town that that helps out, uh, you know, everybody within the city. I think it goes outside the city, but yeah, they they you know they're open and folks can go there if they need help with with their food uh, needs. They can go there and get what they need, and and we gather that here and then take it over there, and so again it goes back to supporting the city.
2: Do you have anything? When we were in New Berlin, uh, we worked with the New Berlin Public Library and. Wisconsin, and they have mittens and mm-hmm. hats. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm.
1: do you have anything on that line? We with do clothing? Yeah, uh, for the winter, we provide a little bin—not um, that little, one of the big totes—and we always started out with some that we contribute, and then inevitably people will bring in, you know, a lot of them are new, or in some cases gently used mittens, scarves, uh, hats, things of that nature, and and coats even sometimes. And put them in there and then they're just freely available if you you know if you need a head you need a coat you need mittens or you just forgot your scarf whatever you know take it it's
2: fine they, i know that they had a knitting program where that they would actually have knitters who would come in and they would knit and then they would display they mm-hmm. have a nice little exhibition and then people after that would they would distribute okay. the product
1: we don't have knitters. We have quilters.
2: Oh, oh. <laughs> so
1: and actually, that quilt that you you like down in the children's area that was uh, created by our quilting group.
2: That was so. I well, I actually took photos and I'd like to use it in the video. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has such a charm. Yeah,
1: but yeah, I mean, so again, that's another thing where we can bring those people together, give them a space here where they can, they can meet. And there's like nine of them, so it would be a little difficult for them to meet in a you know somebody living room or whatever, so they come in here and do their quilting thing and talk and socialize and it's great
0: So Nick, you you had talked about uh, outreach Um, uh, I noticed on your uh, website uh, over the past couple of days you had a literacy night at Westwood Mm -hmm. Elementary Mm -hmm. Um, Do you do anything with the senior senior housing uh, facilities? Do you have any projects
1: with yeah we do it's an area that uh, we could probably do more but we definitely do one of our librarians is our outreach librarian and she does our homebound service uh, and it's a relatively robust one Uh, so she goes to there's several nursing homes in in, uh, the community or assisted living uh, facilities and she has a regular schedule um, the biggest one she goes to twice a month, the other she goes to once a month. And then she'll also just go to individual homes for indi- for folks that, for whatever reason, just have difficulty or can't get out of their house to come to the library. Um, we don't heavily promote that simply because it is a labor-intensive enterprise. Uh, so there's only so much you can do. But it's, it's definitely available to people that need it. Um, we do have regular visits from... At least one of those. Uh, I don't know which ones you might have seen, but uh, herstone up on 47 is the largest one, and they they have fairly regularly scheduled visits. Where they'll just bring a they have their own little van bus thingy, and they'll just come down and they'll bring a bunch of their residents, and you know they spend maybe an hour or two hours here, and then they they head back, which is great. Um, we're talking about trying. There's a county uh, sponsored or, or run uh, home out side of the city limits that we'd like to interact with coordinate with more so we're kinda just at the beginning of figuring out how what that might look like they're a little far away for us to go to them so we're trying to figure out if there's a way to facilitate them coming to us kind of a thing so um, but yeah that's definitely an area that we do have our foot in. I wouldn't mind being a little bit more proactive about it as well. But again, it's that whole staffing thing because that, that's a relatively labor-intensive uh, project, unfortunately.
0: That leads me to another question. Uh, uh, the rural Woodstock Public Library District. Yes. That's uh, us, too.
1: <laughs> so
0: so you're providing services to people outside the city? Is that yeah. sort of it?
1: And, uh... Way back at the beginning when I talked about the school district, uh, area and and that's what the district the library district is it's it's the school district which expands well beyond the city limits minus the city so the city it we're a municipal library the woodstock public library is actually part of the city we're a department of the city of woodstock just like public works and uh, urban planning and all of that kind of stuff uh, outside of the city but within the d-200 school district boundaries is the rural woodstock public library district in this all came to pass back like in the 1970s, so it's been this way for a long time. It's kind of an odd little hybrid, but it seems to work well enough. They, There's no heavy population base out there. Like I said, Wonder Lake's probably the, the biggest, and that's not big. But there are 12,000-plus people in that. It's, it's just spread out over a really large space, and we're their library. I mean, effectively, there's, you know, a few of them down the southeast I suppose could go down to Crystal Lake, and a few on the northeast could go all the way to McHenry, but generally speaking, we're the library that they come to. So they form this district, uh, and what they do, basically, is they, they levy for library services, and then they contract with the library here, with us, with the public library to be, to provide those services. So effectively, we are their library as well. So we serve not just the city, but the entire school district which is somewhere in that 37 38 thousand range um, it's not perfect but it does work pretty well and uh, I don't see it changing in the foreseeable future at this point do you have or do you have need for um, a
0: bookmobile anything like that
1: we had a bookmobile I guess way back when like in the 60s mm-hmm. 70s uh, haven't had one in a long time and I don't know that we will be looking at that anytime in the near future I Doubt. I don't think so. Um, There was some planning done about ten years ago, before I've only been here for five, so I'm not entirely sure. But when they built the newest high school here in town, Woodstock North High School, at that point it was before the 2008 housing crash, and there were all of these projections of huge growth and et cetera, et cetera, Um, and maybe we'll get there. Now, maybe we won't, but uh, at any rate, when they built that high school, which was like 2003 or 4, I think, so right at the peak, um, they did include some space in there for a small branch of the library. So that's there. Uh, at this point, I don't think the community's large enough or diverse, you know, distributed enough. There's, the growth actually hasn't been on that side of town. <laughs> it's mostly been on the south side of town. So... Um, Somewhere down the line, that may come into play as a, as a small branch, but at this point, it's just all here at the Central Library.
0: I was looking at your programming or events calendar. Do you have author events, uh, something
1: coming up, Battle of the Books? What's what's that about? Well, that's a school district thing. Oh. Um, and we do partner with the district a lot. Um, we did even before I got here, but that, that was, again, one of those things where it, it's a natural fit. So let's, let's expand on that, and we have. But the Battle of the Books is actually a school thing. So each of the individual schools... They let the kids, I think it, it's 4th and 5th grade, at the elementary, and I think they still do it at the middle school level as well, 6, seven, 8. But they form teams of, I don't know, 3, 4, 5 kids. And there's X number of books. So they the, the school picks probably like 15 different books. Some nonfiction, some fiction. Um, our school district actually has a dual language program where they teach Spanish. Uh, not all of the students are in that. You can just be in the normal sort of curriculum, but uh, there's a roughly half-ish of the students are in the dual language program, which you get half of your school day is taught in English and half is taught in Spanish. Um, so there's some Spanish books potentially in there too, depending on the school. Anyway, they all come out with their list of, of books for the battle books, and then the kids in these teams, they can do it however they want to. Some of them try to read all of them like everybody on the team reads all 15. Sometimes that's not practical. So you read this file, you read that file, I'll read, you know, like that. But obviously they need to have those books available on a fairly broad scale. So we get that list ahead of time and, and see what we have, make sure we have all of them at least once. And then if we can try to get extra copies or, or things of that nature to facilitate that process because they get to be very highly demanded for that like two-month period sure. and then they have a contest at the end of the two-month period where they, it's like it's just a quiz show kind of deal so the teams compete against each other to answer questions about the books and uh, one team moves on and the other doesn't and eventually there's a champion kind of thing so. Do you provide um,
0: uh, programming for the uh, thousand books before kindergarten yep
1: that's actually something we weren't doing up until about a year and a half ago. two years ago i don't know uh again my children's librarian's like you know we should really be doing this i'm like yeah you're right we should be doing this so we, we started doing it and we have a number of kids that have gotten all the way to the thousand level if you go into the children's department you can see the wall back by the children's desk there's 100 200, 300 like that with pictures of the kids so we track every hundred you get to move up to the next level with your picture and there's a fair number of them up at the thousand level
2: Okay. Do you ever, um, do you ever coordinate, um, using this as exhibition space for, like, high school students, art, or grade school? Whole district.
1: Whole district. district. In fact, that's coming up. It should be coming up in the next couple of weeks. We do it twice a year. The school district, uh, does it twice a year, and we host it. So they go through and pick out, I don't know, I'm not sure exactly what their criteria is or how many, but it's all across from kindergarten all the way up through 12th grade, uh, and across all of the schools within the district. And they'll come in and bring their own panels in. So get these, you know, freestanding panels and put the artwork up on them. Some of them go in our gallery downstairs. We, we let them make use of that. Um, and the, the display cases that we have for the three dimensional stuff that can't just be, you know, hung on a wall or stuck on a, on a board kind of a deal. But yeah, it's the whole school district, uh, all throughout the library, because it's huge. I mean, there's a lot of pieces. Uh, So it's scattered all throughout the building. And the fun thing, and maybe frustrating for the parents, is they don't do it in any particular order. So, like, one board may have kindergarten, second grade, seventh grade, and, you know, eleventh grade art on it, right? And there's no map or anything. So we have first night. There's always kind of a reception where we open it up and people come flowing in. But they don't have any idea where their kid's stuff is. (laughs) So they just kind of walk around and look at all of it until they find their good stuff, and that way they see everybody else's stuff, too, which is kind of cool. So, um,
2: What was I thinking? I'm, I'm trying to think about it. But, oh, we see the beautiful grand piano downstairs. Yeah. Do you have performances with the yeah, piano? Yeah, occasionally.
1: Um, and I, I don't know of any other libraries that have a piano, so that's one of those weird little things that just kind of came up. It's, it came up out of the partnership with the Opera House, which is also a city department. So the Opera House on the Square, beautiful building. They're a year older than us. Um, they built in 1890. And they had this baby grand in one of their rooms, and, and it really didn't fit very well into the space that they had. And they didn't need it because they had an actual grand piano that was up you know, in the auditorium and was used there. So it was just kind of there. and didn't get used at all. And it didn't really fit. So somewhere along the line, you know, the director mentioned this, and I'm like, uh, that would be interesting. And we talked about it some, and he was amenable to having it come over here. So it's technically the opera houses, but they're po- totally fine with us having it here. So we have people come in periodically, and they'll just play. We had a staff member who was was a pretty good uh, pianist, and, and she would play occasionally. We have one a uh, community member comes in nearly every friday and does about two hours of music which is and it, it's a lovely thing because you're sitting in the library you know up at the front desk or, or looking in the fiction or whatever and just have this music kind of drifting through the library it's really cool um, but yeah so it, it was just kind of worked out as this, this cool serendipity with the opera house that we could get this piano and bring it in and it was nice too because we've had a few uh, programs where we'll have performers that play the piano and then you want to use our baby girl. oh yeah that'd be great so then we kind of reconfigure that space and get as many chairs as we can in there and, uh, and then well people just stand for it and we'll have a sort of mini concert kind of deal down there it's really cool we do uh, the friends do this thing uh, every year they, they did this before I got here and I was kind of stunned when I got here and heard about it the first time they do miniature golf in the library every year as a fundraiser and uh, 18 holes because the building's big enough to accommodate that. So, uh, you know, they get sponsorships for the holes. You pay a small price to play, and there's a raffle and all. So there's all different ways that they raise money. But since we added the piano, we've been having somebody come in. We do two different things. So there's a Saturday, which was what it used to just be. It was Saturday you come in? It's kind of a family event. Everybody can play. You know, it wasn't terribly expensive. It's like five bucks a person play through your golf, have a lot of fun, it was great. And then, it's been four years ago, uh, Gail, who's the primary friend who coordinated this whole thing, it was her brainchild, and she still does most of the work for it, was talking, she wanted to come up with some uh, some new, fresh things, and so we were talking a little bit, and we came up with this concept of having, like a, uh, we call it library after dark, so it's uh, light cocktails, heavy hors d'oeuvres, after we close on Friday, so the library's empty, Uh, And we get, like, community people, a lot of the, you know, community, relatively influent, known quantities, however you want to put it, come in, the mayor, things like that, (coughs) come in and participate. They can play golf. A lot of them don't even bother to do the golf. They just come in and have the hors d'oeuvres and drinks and socialize and mingle and stuff like that. But they can. Uh, Some of them take advantage of it. And then, yeah, so then we with the piano, we were able to add some entertainment for that as well, which was a really nice... Kind of effect for that after hours kind of socializing kind of setup it was nice it works really well Good. never anticipated having a piano in my library but it that's it really cool actually yeah it, it works out well and the blonde wood was another thing because it's a it's a real blonde uh wood very pale and that didn't fit with the uh, opera houses decor at all particularly but it fits really well with ours
0: uh, we had talked about some of the partnerships, yeah. possibly with businesses, nonprofits, the school, and yeah. we had kind of covered that. Is there anything you want to add to that list?
1: Well, I—I uh, I guess you had talked about you'd been down there and you've been to past ethereal or into ethereal confections, and then the, the bookstore. The bookstore has been a natural uh, fit. It's a little independent, not that little. It's an independent bookstore. Uh, and you know the owner is a friend of the library, so she's great to work with. We do collaborative uh, events, and like and a few times hasn't happened a lot, but talking about the farmers market and doing story times down there. Occasionally, uh, it's been rained out. the Story time part of it. And we just have it over at Read Between the Lines, and and she's got a space in the back of the building that we could just, you know. So Mary has it there, which is great. So having that those kind of connections within the community, where you can, you know, not only do you lend them your resources, but you can you can also take advantage of, of what they have to offer. I think has been wonderfully rewarding for both the community and the library. So those are those kind of things are nice. Um, Chamber of Commerce when I got here was a little stale and they got some new leadership and some new energy and so it's been fun to work with them over the last couple of years as they kind of gear back up into being more of a, a vibrant you know useful uh, resource within the city uh, the weird sitting world allowed us to make some connections with some of the larger companies in town because they're all you know they're they're not downtown they're not on the square obviously that wouldn't make any sense so they're out more in the industrial park area and things like that but um, and for many golf we'd always been trying to reach out to these larger companies and it it just never seemed like there was a connection to be made there but with the Wizarding World we came up with uh, some projects some things to do we had a uh, well the maps that you know that was not cheap to do that so that was one of those things you come Come to these, this company, Otherworld Computing, was the was the main one. And you know, you have an actual thing. We'd like to do this. Uh, would you want to sponsor it? And they did. So you know, they, they covered the cost of those maps, which was fabulous great. for us. So you know, that kind of connection allows you to do things, even in a situation where we're a municipal library and don't have a lot of extra money laying around for programs and events. If we can get those connections, that that allows us to do more than we would be able to do otherwise, which is great. Challenger Business Center for Science and Technology. What is that? It used to be an independent uh, entity and it, it focused on STEM type science, technology, engineering kind of things. They uh, did actual classes and then they would like during the summer they did a lot of summer camp kind of deals where you know, you'd know you have a group of kids come in and learn about space or learn about engineering, whatever it is. Uh, and I forget exactly when, I think it was about a year and a half two years ago, Aurora University uh they actually purchased anyway they merged and so now they actually offer some uh, college and master's classes at the center as well Um, in fact they have a public administration course over there I believe Um, so it, it it's still a space science technology engineering kind of focus but now it has this affiliation with Aurora University as well so it's got a little more a little broader reach a little firmer foundation I guess and uh, Loyola has a
0: presence in the area.
1: Yeah, they've got a campus—not a campus—got a conference center kind of thing out, uh, just outside in within the rural district. Um, so they're uh, they're out there. We we do have some connections. The library doesn't, but the city has some connections and collaborations with them as well. So that's been nice. Uh, McHenry County College isn't—it's just outside of the city limits. So that's. Uh, Also, it's a two-year sort of college, community college, get you ready to go to other places, or just to get your two-year degree. But we do work with them. We have an English as a Second Language program uh, that, you know, again, got a large Hispanic population. So some of them are first generation, and they they need practice. They need that help to learn English, and you know, you just got to learn it. So we get a relatively uh, long-running and, and effective ESL program, and we do that in conjunction with McHenry County College. A lot of the tutors we get come through them, uh, which has been great because it's not always the easiest. You know, a lot of people can speak both languages, but being able to teach someone the other one is not always something someone can do. Um, we'll probably mention
0: in some way on the website, possibly, some of, the, some of the history of the area, mm-hmm. and that might be Typewriter City, Eugene V. Debs, Orson Wells, Groundhog's, Groundhog's Day, the film,
2: well, Bill in 1930,
0: so far. 1993. <laughs> um, yes. Do you have anything that you'd like to add?
1: I mean, we'll probably highlight them in some way, but... Pickles. Pickles. Yeah. We get, still have a Claussen plant here in town, and and uh, used to be another uh, pickle place. So... Uh, typewriters and pickles were what Woodstock was known for for a long time and the typewriters are gone but we still got pickles do
2: you have pickle characters for the kids?
1: no
2: oh you should get pickle That's characters thought. You
1: know, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. yeah
2: we've got to get, get pickle characters pickle, pickle characters
1: yeah so the Klassen plants up over on the west side um, yeah the typewriters we used to have I forget the percent I think it was like 20% of all of the typewriters in the world were made in Woodstock at one point uh, what else? Debs is good Groundhog Day definitely. That's that's an ongoing thing, a big festival every middle early February. Have a festival that people come to. It's amazing because it's early February. Um, the Opera House is still active, and over the years has hosted lots of famous people. Um, you can go down that mural and see some of the bigger names, but uh, they've got a long history. I think it's The courthouse very- itself is kind of interesting. Because the, the courthouse on the square, that was originally built in 1858, I think, something like that, as the courthouse for the county, and it was used for over 100 years. And then the county moved out to the new facility on the north side of town on 47 in the 70s. Still owned that one, but they didn't maintain it properly, unfortunately. And so it is not in the shape that it should be in. It's it's gotten a little debilitated, unfortunately, and I don't remember exactly when. Somewhere along the line, the, the county wanted to, to divest itself of it, and they were just going to potentially knock it down, but then they couldn't because it is a national historic. It's on the National Historic Register. And the city took it on, so it, it's now the city's uh, property, and they've been slowly renovating and, and uh, resuscitating the building. You know that I think hopefully in the next few years will be something that will be kind of uh, new and exciting, depending on how, how it gets. Re- I don't know if it will remain a civic space of some sort or if maybe it will be developed as a city-private collaboration, something like that. But looking forward to seeing what they do with that because it's a, you go inside there and it's a beautiful building. It's also not in great shape. You can see you know where water's done lots of damage and things like that. But you can see the bones of the thing, and, and it, it was a gorgeous. Building we can fix it up and make it into something cool again that would be fabulous
0: okay um, at this point I'd like to um, work on the closing uh, okay. and I wanted to go back to to you you're the director of a public library do you have time and do you have uh, time to do personal reading do you have any favorite authors do you have any favorite genres or uh, maybe you'd like to mention a recent book I don't
1: doesn't matter how recent it was, but a recent book you read,
0: if you sure. have anything to share.
1: Well, yeah, I do read some still, uh, not as much as I used to, um, and I actually read more non-fiction now than I used to, because I used to be pretty much exclusively fiction, uh, and within that, fantasy and science fiction were the genres that, that I spent most of my time in. Still enjoy those quite a lot, um, and read those a bit. Um, favorite authors would be It's not surprising considering those genres, but I knew Terry Pratchett, I love The Lord of the Rings. uh, Blinky now. Jeez. (laughs) Those two are good. Um, And then recently, actually, reading the fifth season, I can't think of the woman's name that wrote it. It's a relatively new sci-fi fantasy book. One that Hugo, a few years ago very good. It, it's a different, very different sort of tone to it, but, but effective. She does a really nice job with it. So I'm looking forward to finishing that, and it's actually a trilogy because nobody writes single books anymore. It's always got to be at least a trilogy, if not five or six or eight, or if you're James Patterson, nine million got to have multiple books in a series. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. That is an interesting trend that drives my cataloger nuts.
2: <laughs> Do you have something? I have two questions. Sure. I have a couple, um, if you were biographies, if you could just choose to read a biography, who would you?
1: Well, that's a little tricky because the ones that I've wanted to read, I probably already have, like Abraham Lincoln okay. and uh, most of the founding fathers. Uh, folks, I haven't, messi- I actually haven't read a biography of Terry Pratchett. I wouldn't mind doing that. Um. Nothing else comes to mind. There probably are things, people that I'm completely whiffing on, but I'm not thinking of them right now. Well, this
2: now. has been a long interview. Yeah. How, yeah. I'm sorry, but just Peter say.
1: Roosevelt, actually. i want not reading more about him. Teddy was an interesting fellow. I don't know much about him.
0: Then we'd like to provide time here for you to make a closing statement, if you'd like to, uh, and then... Um, We'll sort of sign off and thank you.
2: Sure. I Take photos while you do that, if you don't mind. That's totally fine.
1: Like you said, just don't take pictures of where the rain came in. Uh, I
2: promise, and <laughs> I photoshop everything.
1: Okay. Closing statement. Uh, uh, you know, you get the question fairly regularly. Are libraries still relevant? Sure. And, and things will pop up. Like There was an article not too long ago, earlier this summer, where some... Uh, professor was advocating for getting rid of libraries, and we'll just all use Amazon, kind of thing. And uh, it's a little frustrating in some sense, but it, I, I actually kind of like that that comes up because it gives libraries as a profession and and people that go to libraries and use libraries as a whole an opportunity to get a spotlight again it's one of those things maybe you can reach some people that aren't aware of everything that libraries have to offer as a place to discover new things connect with new people uh, get some inspiration for whatever it is those are why we put those in our in our motto you know because those are what libraries do in so many different ways and so yeah libraries are definitely still relevant maybe more so in some ways than they were previously less so in other ways but you know we'll just go use Google well Google's great you know, except you get four million results and maybe the one you really need is buried three pages down and nobody goes past the first page on Google. You pick one off the first page. Well, librarians and libraries can help you find those other resources, those things, you know, needle in a haystack kind of a deal. Sure. Um, and then uh, beyond that, you just have the ability to find out things about your community and take advantage of uh, events and opportunities and activities that you know wouldn't have any other place than that your public library so i think public libraries have changed we're more of a community center now than we probably were fifty years ago or even thirty years ago but i'm good with that i think that's great because again it ties you back into the community and it makes you part of that community and and from my perspective i think that's the critical piece to public libraries moving forward is being a vibrant and, and important part of the community that that they're in, so uh, hopefully that will continue to be the case moving forward as as a whole, and it's certainly what I'm going to strive for here at Woodstock.
0: Good. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Thank, thank you. you. For, you're welcome. Uh, thanks very much for taking the time today. Uh, we appreciate it. We're enjoying your your library. Good. And uh, this is uh, John and Robin Boyles of Celebrate Libraries with a New Ways to Dream podcast. We've been speaking today with. Library Director, Nick Weber, of Woodstock Public Library in Woodstock, Illinois. Thanks. Thank you very much, no, you're
2: welcome. Oh, this was a long interview.